he is immortal. Born in the highlands of Scotland 400 years ago, he is not alone. There are others like him, some good, some evil. For centuries, he has battled the forces of darkness with holy ground, his only refuge. He cannot die unless you take his head and with it his power. In the end, there can be only one. He is Duncan MacLeod, the Highlander. Welcome into Let's Watch Highlander. This is Let's Watch Highlander Season 3, Episode 13, Blind Faith. And with you uh, to talk about this episode, as we are every week, I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis, and my co-host is Audie. And Audie, how are you this week? Doing all right. Had another night of the kid waking up at like 5.30 in the morning. It's like, no, it's it's still time to sleep. Why are you not sleeping? I have been trying to make a concerted effort to get out of bed a little bit earlier in the morning just to, you know, take the dog out for a walk, start my coffee a little bit earlier, get a shower, uh, and then go into my office and work. And inevitably, I will wake up half an hour before I want to be awake (laughs) and look at the clock. And I'm just like, no, no, it's not time yet. And then, then I sleep past when I want to get up. So I've got to find the balance point. I remember days of waking up like minutes before my alarm goes off. I'm like, mm. you stupid brain. What are you doing? That is. Now my boys don't let that happen at all. No. No. Pets or kids will make sure that you get up whenever they feel like it. Mm-hmm. I'm just lucky Bella is not one that's like 6 a.m. I got to go outside. She'll just lay there. Nice. She's great about that. Uh, so we had a pretty pretty decent episode this week, I think. Yeah. Yeah. This was a good one. There's some there's some things to chew on on this one that I think are pretty intriguing. Um, mm-hmm. So I like that. Uh, but before we dive into the episode too much, we got to listen to our Watcher Chronicle for this week. So here's that. All right. February 13th, 1995. I sometimes forget how well these immortals can keep their secrets from the general public. I mean, as Watchers, we all know about it and talk openly about them like it's a universal understanding. But for the average person out there, they have no idea. And then one of them goes and comes back to life in public. John Kieran was hit by a car and rushed to the ER, where he was pronounced dead. Then he came walking out, fresh as a daisy. The gall of this guy. And he's been running an ashram in the city. That can't be a coincidence. Now I'm hearing that his name used to be Cage, and he's not a good person starting to sound like this whole thing was some kind of long con, maybe? Dawson has not had anything nice to say about Cage, and I saw McLeod here earlier. He didn't look too happy either. Things could get interesting around here soon. It is a rainy night as a group of people are leaving a, a what looks like a kind of a government building or some building downtown. Um, one of them happens to be kind of he looks like he's sort of leading everything. He's handing out packages to what appear to be homeless people, just sort of, you know, God bless you, be, you know, do you have somewhere to stay tonight, that kind of stuff. Um, and as they're rounding up to, to head home, um, somebody comes up to him and, and his uh, one of his assistants who's kind of holding an umbrella over him gets very standoffish. He kind of calms him down. You know, it seems like he's a very passive person. And then we see a car come skidding around a corner and out of control. And he pushes a pedestrian out of the way and gets hit by the car. And then we, we cut to uh, Dr. Lindsay's ER, and he's being rushed in there, and it doesn't look good. Uh, nope. And we find out that he's a, a local, he's a religious leader of some kind. Um, he doesn't make it. He dies on the table in the ER. Dr. Lindsay calls it. She goes out to talk to his followers, one of them being the guy that got pushed out of the way. And tells them, you know, I'm sorry, he didn't make it. And the that guy is like, no, John Kieran can't die. And then, lo and behold, there he is, walking down the, the hospital hallway like uh, like nothing happened. Um, it's mu- Yeah, much to the amazement of Dr. Lindsay and the delight of all of his followers. Mm-hmm. So Anne goes to see Duncan because she's confused, she's flustered. She knows she the man was dead, um, but she can't. She can't wrap her head around what happened. Uh, Duncan, however, eh, he might have an idea of 
what went down. So he and Richie go to the ashram where this man um, spends his time and try, you know, to see him for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, D- Duncan tells Richie, and I kind of like this. Duncan tells Richie that look, you violated some of the rules. Like, you don't come back to life in view of the public. And Richie's like, well, what was he supposed to do? Well, you wait until there's nobody around you to slip out the back door. Like, you don't let it be known that you're immortal. So as they get to the ashram, we see the man uh, who we know is Matthew now in a confrontation with uh, an investigative reporter. The reporter thinks that Kieran is a fraud and wants to know more about him. So Duncan and Richie go inside and lo and behold, Kieran is there, and Duncan knows him mm-hmm. because he isn't immortal. But Duncan knows him as somebody named Cage, and he's right. not pleased to see him. And then we get a flashback. Nope. Um, so Mac continues to not trust Cage. He's pretty sure he's running some kind of a con. He knows he's in it for some sort of money, right? Given their their past, it's understandable. Um, Cage or Kieran. Uh, insists he's turned over a new leaf. He's trying to do good things. Mac is ready to fight him right there. He's, right. he's ready to drag him off a of holy ground and, and fight him right there. That's how pissed off Duncan is at this point. Um, but Kieran tries to tell him, like, look, I didn't intend for this to happen. I'm not trying to do any. I'm trying to do good things. I can't leave. These people need me kind of stuff. And Duncan's just, he's not buying it. He's being aggressive. Matthew steps in. Um, and is kind of almost like the, uh, almost like a guard dog in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so Duncan leaves and then we get a, a scene where Richie is talking to Joe at the bar, um, telling him, look, I, I looked this guy up. He seems to be doing good stuff. Joe doesn't believe mm-hmm. it either. Right. Joe's like, I got hundreds of pages on this guy. He's, you know, he's just mm-hmm. a low life. He, he's a con man. He, he cheats people on money. He kills people, all this co- sort of stuff. Anne's looking up stuff on this guy. He doesn't have any medical history, which is throwing up red flags for her. Where have we seen that before? Right. She's sort of poking at Duncan, but try like she wants more information and Duncan is still just deflecting constantly. Um, and uh, meanwhile, you've got Kieran who is trying to keep Matthew under control. Mm-hmm. Um, You've got the reporter who's following Duncan now because he knows he feels that Duncan knows something about Kieran. And mm-hmm. then he does probably the dumbest thing that a reporter could do. Yeah. Which is break into the dojo to look for information. Yeah. That reporter. Well, then he gets shot. So the reporter is shot. Duncan mm-hmm. is convinced that it was Cage. Yep. He knows that Cage did it, and he's got his sword, and he's going to go confront him about it. So he calls Cage, tells him to meet him somewhere. They meet. They hash it out. Um, What we find out is that the last time they met, Cage went back to finish things off and saw what happened to the the children, which we'll talk about in the flashback, Mm -hmm. and it breaks him. He breaks down, and he turns over a new leaf. That's what he keeps telling Duncan. He keeps telling him that over and over. Duncan, however, isn't listening. We have very angry Duncan in this episode. Mm-hmm. But Kieran is at a point now, or Cage, whatever you want to call him, he's at a point now where he he just accepts whatever fate befalls him and does not resist Duncan. Pretty much gives himself right. up. And, of course, Duncan being Duncan can't kill him. Yeah, he just he just can't do it because he he now is starting because Duncan to has pulled out his sword. Kieran does not at all, mm-hmm. and Duncan's not going to fight an unarmed man. Right. Uh, meanwhile, what we find out, what Kieran realizes, what we already know, that Matthew was the one that killed the reporter. Mm-hmm. So he goes to Duncan to warn him, but Matthew's already there. There's a confrontation. Yep. Kieran is trying to talk Matthew down. Uh, Matthew's getting more and more confused by what's going on. He he calls him a, a liar um, because Matthew had overheard the discussion between Cage and Duncan. And he ends up yeah. shooting Cage in Duncan's loft. Um, 
and then does a runs out to the police, uh, gun raised, and goes down in a blaze of glory, as as he would probably think. Uh, mm-hmm. Duncan tried to stop him, but just he was too far gone. the The man was he was a basket case, and uh, Duncan helps Kieran leave town, and they they yep. part. They do not part as friends, but they are no longer enemies. Right. So, and that is how our episode ends. Mm-hmm. Hitler knows there's nothing like a good war to pick up an economy, especially if you win and get the loser to pay for it. Nobody wins. You know that cage. People making the money do. Our special guest this week was Richard Lynch as John Kieran. Um, I like Richard Lynch. I've seen him in a few different things. Most notably, I know him from, uh, there was a two-part episode of Star Trek The Next Generation that he was in. Um, Hmm. If you remember it, he was under, it's Star Trek, so he's under heavy makeup, but it was the episode that Picard is kind of undercover in this smugglers group. Oh, that one. Okay. So he was the head of the smugglers. Um, That was Richard Lynch. I also know him from a movie that came out in 1995. So, or yeah, it was about the same year as this called Werewolf. The movie is absolutely terrible, but it's a wonderful episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Nice. The thing with Richard Lynch is he's got a very distinct look and a very distinct voice. So I've heard, you know, I've heard him do voice work. He did a lot of um, kind of B horror movies. Um, he was often cast as a bad guy, uh, in part because his voice is very, it's weird to say it's both smooth and gravelly, but it kind of is. Yeah. It does have that kind of way about it. It's, it's an interesting combination of elements in his voice because there's definitely a gravel to his voice, Mm -hmm. but somehow it's also very smooth. His delivery is very good and it's somewhat unique and I love his voice but he also has a a distinct look um, about him and part of that is because in the 60s he took LSD and set himself on fire Mm. so he's a little scarred from that and uh, because of that he tended to get cast he sadly passed away a few years ago Uh, but he tended to get cast in uh, more villainous roles um, just based on his looks He's pretty good in this episode. Um, yeah. I think I have one complaint about Richard Lynch in this episode of uh, Highlander as as John Kieran slash Cage. He doesn't get enough. The I sound yeah. I'm gonna sound like a broken record, but this <laughs> this one begs to be longer. This one begs to be more. Yeah. I loved the redemption angle. I thought that was a great and granted, it's a little tropey to do, but not at the time that this came out. It wasn't nearly as tropey to do that at this point. Mm-hmm. And he does it so well because at up to now in Highlander, we've really been conditioned that the, the immortals are either friends of Duncan's or they're bad guys. Right. And so, and the, the, just the way everything plays out, you're just waiting for that moment. You're waiting for that turn, that reveal that, no, it is all a con. He is actually, you know, doing this thing. And mm-hmm. it's not, it never is. And it's so right. well, it's so well done because he never, he plays Kieran exactly the same from the opening scene until the end of the episode. But Cage was such a different character. Yes. And so because of that, it works because Mm -hmm. we see, we see in, in three flashbacks over two time periods, this character of cage and who he is. And then we're seeing this Kieran character who never breaks. So you're always, you're anticipating that you're anticipating the moment he flips and it doesn't happen, but he plays and he's, and his sincerity is believable. Mm -hmm. So I really, really dug that. Yeah. You know, and and I kind of wish, um, I kind of wish we had seen less of him being super evil as much as he was and have something where we get more of him turning around, redeeming himself. Or maybe have, maybe Joe actually calls the Watcher assigned to him. Is like, no, dude, 
he's changed, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Yeah, and there, there again is where if you if you spread this out a little bit more and give it more time to develop, because that's really the only complaint is that they had to compress this arc for this character into one episode, and so essentially what they had to do was structure it the way that they did. Everything in the past yeah. is evil. Present time, he's good. We're just gonna mm-hmm. you're just gonna have to believe us that he made this change because he really makes the change over the course of what, about 20 years or so, 20, 20, 30 years between um, the Cambodia stuff and present day, right? which for this show is Um, Mm mid-90s. So, yeah, I would have liked some more of that that change, that alteration. Um, You know, maybe, maybe the flashbacks only take place in Cambodia or the short one you have a short one before that. So you, because I did like how they were like, no, this guy's bad. He's still bad. Now Mm -hmm. he's changing, but they they didn't give us enough of that kind of moment where he changed and sort of that journey, Mm -hmm. Um, which is where if you spread this out or even a two part episode or, or this could be one of those kind of 90 minute um, things that, that you would see on TV sometimes. Sure. I would have liked that. Uh, it just, it was such a cool idea to have this redemption arc for this character. And you have mm-hmm. this great presence that is Richard Lynch, who again, as we've talked about a lot, elevates the material that he's given. Mm-hmm. Because of the sincerity in his performance as Kieran and how just cynical and cold he is as Cage, especially the first part of the flashbacks when they're in Spain during the Spanish Civil War. Mm-hmm. He's he's less. He's just cold. He's right. He, he's unfeeling. He's uncaring. He's just in it for money, um, mm-hmm. and that came across really well. So, yeah, like I just I I, I was very impressed with Richard Lynch in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the between the Spanish Civil War and then the Cambodia thing. Both times he had the little did the little hand wavy money thing. Yeah, and for some great. reason. It, because of the way he did it, the way he was like, that wasn't just some cheesy thing. It was like, that's his, that was his mantra. Like, this is who I am. Yeah. Give me the money. Yeah. You know, it, it would be really cool to have this show being made where you could set stuff up, like having characters show up in flashbacks a few times before we see them in present day. Yeah you know, have the flashbacks in, in previous episodes in this season where he runs into this guy cage. And Mm -hmm. then later on you see Kieran and you can kind of like, there's a lot of different, I think ways that you could go about sort of writing this redemption arc. Right. And, but it's such a, a good subversion of the expectation that the show Mm -hmm. has been setting us up for. So I really, really, really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, because like you said, I mean, mostly it's been they're either friends of Duncan's or not. So they're either good guys or bad guys. And we haven't seen somebody who's been in a gray area with Duncan or somebody who actually has redeemed themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, or, you know, sometimes Duncan's friends are in the gray area sometimes and he's just deals with it. But right. This is an interesting one to have somebody who at the in the flashbacks was definitely a villain. Yes. To the point where Duncan's ready to kill him. On site, as soon as he sees him. Absolutely, and justifiably so, based on what we saw in the flashbacks. Like, Mm -hmm. Duncan has already judged him. He is ready to take him out. We get very angry Duncan, which is a nice nice change-up for Duncan in this. Because Duncan gets a little bit of that, too, in this episode, where he goes from being... The second he sees Cage, or Kieran, in that ashram, he he sees red. It flips to to a 10 Mm -hmm. on the rage scale. And it takes him until the guy is willing to give himself up, give up his head to Duncan mm-hmm. for him to realize how sincere he is. And even then, you get that moment later on we'll talk about with Joe, and and it's still it's one of those things. So it was it what it did was it gave a good character for Duncan to play off of as well. Mm-hmm. So it was really, really good. For sure. Um, and then the character of Matthew needed to be in this episode. I think we needed mm-hmm. to have that foil um, because it, he was 
and I forget you you had the name for the actor that played him. It was John Conrad, I believe. Uh, that sounds or, right. No, Conrad Dunn. Conrad Dunn. He's his performance is fine. He's got a. It's tough because again, he doesn't have a ton of screen time to develop it, but he's got to be. He's got the uh, the rough background. He was beaten by his father. We get a throwaway line that he did time for killing his father. Right. Which, if you're, it's a blink and you miss it line that mm-hmm. is important because. Yeah. Definitely heard that. Um, you know, that's an important thing because he's very quick to anger and he's, he's distrusting of people because of his background and his upbringing. So, right. You know, it, it is one of those things. Um, I thought he was fine. I think the the stuff they did with him once he got to the loft, I kind of liked because you could see him slowly breaking down throughout the episode. Right. And, um, you know, this feels like something, too, where, like, today they you would have come from that angle a lot more of trying to come to him through what seems like mental illness mm-hmm. that he was struggling with, you know? They didn't then because they just kind of used it as a, a way for him to struggle through this episode. It didn't feel like they exploited that as much as just we're honest with, this is a guy who is not right in the head or good reasons because of his background and what he's dealt with, but he's still not right in the head and everybody tries to help him. And, you know, especially with Duncan trying to talk him down at the end, like, mm-hmm. and I would say it's, it's less of a, a mental illness angle or, or thing and more of just a, the trauma that he went through in, in his younger life. And he needs John Kieran. He needs whatever he's getting from this ashram and from this faith. And he will do anything to protect that for himself mm-hmm. because it, it is the one thing holding him together at this point. Um, and because if you remember the the reporter said something about well, are you born again and he got he chafed at that very strongly mm-hmm. so yeah. it was it was a lot of that and i thought that that was pretty interesting yeah and i could go on a whole other tangent about the way they kind of used religion in this episode but tried to stay away from it they were able to have it have Kieran be a religious leader without it being any single religion. It was more of a, um, it was this amalgamation. Cause when they go into the place, I love that line from Richie. Well, he's got all his bases covered because he had right. like, quotes from all sorts of different scriptures mm-hmm. up on the wall. And that's smart of them yeah. because it makes sense for what they were trying to go with, with John Kieran, which is a lot of it was kind of Eastern religions and what mm-hmm. he mentioned, but it wasn't this organized religion, which wouldn't make sense for Kieran, because that's not right. how he found what he found. And it mm-hmm. also keeps them from uh, any kind of, it keeps them from a lot of the controversy of like pinning it on a single religion as well. So it's smart. Oh, yeah. It's smart to do it. Yeah, it was. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I thought I thought both of them were pretty good, but Richard Lynch just kills it in this episode. Mm-hmm. For sure. I like to win. I like to be on the side that wins. It pays a hell of a lot better. Is this about money to you? Don't you get it, McLeod? It's always about money. So flashbacks in this episode, we have three of them covering two time periods, which is a little different for us. Um, typically, episodes have a single flashback or a single, I, sh- I should say, a single time period. Mm-hmm. Um, but we actually got two of them. I will say this. These flashbacks didn't look overly cheap. No. Um, The stuff in Cambodia, a little bit, but they were able to kind of, you know, you could get it. Like, the mismatching uniforms was the thing that threw me in that Mm. when I saw, like, Duncan's clearly wearing a different uniform, uh, even though it's supposed to be U.S. military, from whatever Cage was wearing and his hat didn't match, like, that kind of stuff. Sure. But I really liked the look and feel of everything in the Spanish Civil War. Mm-hmm. Right down to the pyro they used for the bridge exploding was yeah quite a bit. Um, so I, I liked that. Uh, the the what way was, that go ahead. The the only thing about that first flashback in the Spanish Civil War, like they reused 
footage from a Darius episode. Which one? It started out with the guy coming to Darius and getting a knife in the back. It looked like. And I don't remember that as so, being a Darius episode because the only stuff with Darius we ever saw was him well back before anything like the Spanish Civil War, like hundreds of right. years earlier. Was Did you see this? Was this something weird in my playback? I watched mm. it on Peacock, so... I didn't see it. I could be. I didn't see Darius. Was you saw okay. Darius on screen? Yeah, it's the um, hmm. where the guy's coming to Darius for help, and he's in front of the fence. Darius is behind the fence, coming out of the the church or convent or whatever. And the guy gets a knife in his back. And no, I, like, That's I definitely didn't see that. Okay, so that weird. was a weird <laughs> thing that happened on the Peacock version for some reason. Huh. Okay, well. Um, so that. but yeah, I liked the, the look and feel of the stuff with the Spanish civil war. Um, mm-hmm. it was interesting to have a kid from Philadelphia being part of the Spanish civil war. Uh, yeah. but I guess maybe he was just there and it's an easier way to cast it. Right. Uh, which is fine. But like the, the interplay between, cause we don't, we don't know how Duncan and cage met. They were just mm-hmm. both there. And right. they seem to, at that point, th- this has to have been the first time they've met because at that point, Duncan is not friends with him, but he's friendly. They're they're not right. antagonistic towards each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, you know, I kind of mentioned it in the special guest part portion. Um, Richard Lynch is very just like cynical and cold. Um, right. And Duncan's a little bit more idealistic, but while still being pragmatic. <laughs> like Duncan... Right. Duncan believes in what these guys are doing, but he's really just there to be a journalist. Mm. And Lynch kind of is tipping his hand that he's not really there to be a journalist. Um, I did like his line about war and profiteering from it and all that. That was mm-hmm. that was well delivered and pretty interesting. Yeah, and a good little uh, uh, what what would you know, little thing to show us what's to come. You yeah. know, a little preview of who he is and what he is and it's just interesting anytime we're dealing with war and seeing where Duncan is in this particular you know event in mm. history and how he uses war because of the way he's lived and the war he's seen and been involved with like some of them he's like this is terrible everybody's being stupid we shouldn't do this at all and then there's like this one where he's like okay I see the side these soldiers that they're you know embedded with or yeah. He sees their side, so he's you know, he's writing about it, trying to be helpful where he mm-hmm. can. Um, so it's it's always interesting when they handle it this delicately. And, you know, to have that Duncan contrast with Cage, who we have no idea about, mm-hmm. but he kind of telegraphs where he's going. He does. And then uh that f- uh, it's the first or second flashback when they're riding it's the second one when they're riding in the truck and then the truck stops in the middle of the night mm-hmm. the way that that scene plays out is great because you've got Duncan is a little bit confused all the other guys are very confused he sees Cage right. and as Cage is walking back past him again just unfeeling coldly he says this is cheaper than feeding them I'll come back for you later right like that's such a uh just like brush off line from him and uh and then for duncan to run into him late like and that's it he doesn't see him again until cambodia right and then because he this, manages to get away though yeah he manages to get away but he doesn't cage doesn't find him and then later on uh you know they run into each other in cambodia this time cage is running heroin during the war mm-hmm. and duncan you know trying duncan is trying to save a bunch of kids and a nun um so, it, you know, it's very on the nose, yes, but mm. it makes sense for both these characters doing what they're doing. Right. Um, and Cage, like, threatening to shoot the kids in front of Duncan to keep him at bay. Mm-hmm. And then I really liked the, the final flashback piece that's very short is what ties it all together because now we find out that Cage was coming back in, in, the Span- in Spain to get him. He would have come back for him. Because he Cambodia. went, well, he, 
but I'm saying he was sincere in saying, I'll come back for you later. Sure. Because he came back for him in Cambodia, got okay, with okay. his sword out, ready to go. And right. that's when he saw what happened. And that was the final thing. He couldn't, you know, we don't know how long he, how long he had been alive or any of that. Mm-hmm. I did, I did look at some um, stuff on like the Highlander wiki and the, the character biography had him considerably old, like 1200 years old. Hmm. Um, I, well, he did have a gladius, so he did. Um, however, that was apparently according to the wiki, something that he got from, uh, Marcus, Marcus's, uh, teacher, the character from season two. Oh, Marcus okay. Constantine. That, okay. That's the way that, that, that lore goes is that the gladius was from Marcus's uh, teacher. Huh. But my only, I think if we dive into that, my only complaint there is for him to be around for 1,200 years and then suddenly in the last 20 years of his life deciding to be good mm-hmm. feels a little rough. But the A little th- rush, they could have shown a little bit more if they, you know, if he had that span of history and they really played with that span of history, mm-hmm. they also needed to play with his turn, you know, yeah. more, a little we- bit more, but... Which again, just more more of this character and this arc and this redemption that he went through, and maybe mm-hmm. I, you know, another thing too is to see more of that happening with other immortals because they're right. when you're alive for that long, you're going to go through a lot of different stuff, and mm-hmm. that'll be something that comes up later on in the series uh, that I'm right. really looking forward to. Or you know, again, like I said earlier, his watcher is the one who's seen all this, and have his yeah. watcher be the one that comes to them, like Joe calls him up or something. It's like. You guys don't understand. He has changed. And they're all like, are you kidding me? Duncan especially is like, are you kidding me? And then goes and confronts him. Yeah. That would have been that would have been pretty cool. I would have liked that. Mm-hmm. But overall, uh, the flashbacks did what they were supposed to do in this, which is give us more character. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they, they allowed us to have the other side. They allowed us to meet the character of Cage that Duncan knew. Right. While everything set present day was all with this other basically other person mm-hmm. is, is who Kieran was. And so I did like that quite a bit. And again, um, uh, you know, good, uh, good looking. Um, I thought the costuming for the Spanish civil war era stuff was pretty good. That yeah, looked, that looked that nice. Fine. Um, and then it's funny pyro. when we came to the Spanish civil war and they were doing that bridge, I was like, is that bridge accurate? And then it's like, wait, this, this Spanish civil war was in 1937. Okay. Works yeah. For me. Sure. Good enough. That's how badly I am with my world history, but still, it's just like, that's not that long ago. Okay. Yeah. I'm good. But yeah, good, good flashback work. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're not, then who is? You know what he was. Who better than you to judge him? One immortal playing God is enough. So we have Richie and Anne and Joe in this episode. All three of them. Yeah. Um, and and all three get a little bit of screen time, and they all get to do uh, what they do. What I liked about it was these are actors that know their characters, and the character for this episode is written well mm-hmm. so that it's all fitting. You get Richie is there to kind of be a, a dissenting voice and a voice of reason as far as right. who Kieran is like, Hey, I looked this guy up. I went back there and talked to people. He seems to be doing good things that fits with Richie. Richie is very, he's young. He questions a lot of things. He wants to find out for himself. I like that. And they didn't have to overplay him. We didn't need mm-hmm. a ton of Richie because it just didn't, it didn't serve this story, but we got what we needed from him. Right. Um, Anne is still on her quest to figure out what the hell is going on. <laughs> yeah. and, and Duncan for some reason is not still not telling her still not telling her but you know a, a perfect way to work her into an episode because this guy's going to the ER it happens to be her mm-hmm. ER and then yep. the whole thing with like hey you know what he doesn't have any medical records kind of like you <laughs> and Duncan just sort of <laughs> uh huh like she knows at this point mm-hmm. Anne knows Duncan is hiding stuff from her and she right she wants so desperately to find out, but she yeah. knows she can't push too hard. Right. So she keeps finding the line and getting right up to it. The funny thing, too, is this being a show of its time, somebody not having any medical records 
isn't entirely crazy in mm-hmm. the mid 90s. That's true. Like you could easily write it off as, you know, what they probably did and, you know, what Ann's probably doing or thinking to write it off is he's involved with the government somehow and this is a new identity or something, you know. Oh, yeah. These days, there's no way you could get away with that. I mean, and, you know, we've talked about that before of how this show and this concept would be different now. Yes. But like, it's just interesting the way they play, they keep playing with that little thing Mm -hmm. and dangling. Yeah, I, I like that. It's, it's intriguing to have a side character that's in the medical field. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the only other thing you could have is somebody who is in law enforcement or with the government, but we've sort right. of seen them try that and it doesn't quite stick. So they, they haven't yeah. really explored it any further, but I think because right. I think the reason that medical, a medical professional can work longer term than say somebody in law enforcement is at some point the person that's in law enforcement is going to find out mm-hmm. if, if they are, if they are at all competent, they are going to find out and, right. and it's going to be harder for Duncan to keep that person at bay mm-hmm. without just straight up having to leave town. Whereas with the medical person, you can get around that. There's some ways to get, there's, there's a lot of, there aren't the legal hoops that he would have to jump through. Right. For that. I'd also so. say that the watchers are the, law enforcement yeah, replacement. That's true. That is a good point. And because of who they are, you can get away with a lot more with their characters and stuff. So. That's a, that is a really good observation. Um, speaking of watchers, Joe has his couple of scenes and mm-hmm. what I liked about them is you've got the first one, Joe just ain't buying it at all. And the second right. time around, he's still not, mm-hmm. but by the Even end with of Duncan. Yeah, even with Duncan, but at least by the end of it, Joe is now like he's not a hundred percent anymore. But he, but mm-hmm. he's so steadfast and like this guy's evil. This guy's bad. Right. You know that better than anybody. And it takes Duncan being like, "I'm not going to. We we don't need two immortals trying to play God." Oh my gosh, I love that line. One immortal playing God is enough. Yeah. I was oh. Like, oh, okay. Oh, that was written well. And right after Joe tells him, you know, well, if you're not going to judge him, who is? Right. And it's like, oh, that's such a, that exchange between those two was so good. Because mm-hmm. it's, it, <laughs> it's, it's Joe showing, well, I'm just a watcher. It is. So, it, it is. Immortal. And it's a great. The immortal thing is like, that's not, that's not how I work, Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's endemic of their relationship of their friendship. Mm-hmm. So I, I really, really like it. It's just good work all around. Again, yeah. Jim Burns, if I have a complaint, it's just I want Jim Burns and Stan Kirsch on screen more. But yeah. with the way that this show, with this episode in particular, we got enough of them without it being too much that it bogged down other parts of the episode. Yeah. There was one little go. line, one little line Richie had it, as they're walking in to see who this is before they know it's Karen Cage and before they get the tingly feeling, Richie asks the question, what if he isn't an immortal? Mm, yep. And they, they don't let it sit for very long. And I wish they did. <laughs> I wish they'd have more conversations of like, okay, immortals are happening. There's gotta be something else weird going on in the world besides just us. Right. That you know, would that be cool to explore. I would like that mm-hmm. a lot. Um, but it also does lead to the the great moment of like, what if he isn't immortal? Tingle happens. All right, forget that. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. That's not the case. Again, that was written well, very well too. I was yes. good with that, but I still wanted the more the other part of the conversation. It's true because like, what is Dun- How is Duncan going to answer that question? Mm-hmm. You know, that would be. I would love to hear that answer. So, yeah, it's just really good work from all three of them because again, these are just. They're, the characters are now written well. We're not getting poorly written Richie or poorly written Joe. Um, right. Or Anne, for that matter. Anne, Anne has actually been written really well from the get-go because she mm-hmm. got to come along as a character after they sort of got the writing team kind of figured out and the writing process going. Mm-hmm. And because of that, she's been pretty solid all the way through. Again, better than I remembered her being. But Joe right. and Richie are very well written now and Stan Kirsch and Jim Burns have got these characters down where they can show up and be there for their two scenes and nail them. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. really, really appreciate that. 
All aces. We're beasts when we kill. Men when we judge. God when we forgive. So once again, no final fight, per se. No sword fight, anyway. No quickening in this episode. No actual sword fight at all. Like, we see swords a couple of times, but nobody is actually fighting against yeah. one another. And and again, it's because the, the way that they set up and then subverted the expectations with this episode, um, mm-hmm. which viewing it through a lens of today can feel trite because we've seen this happen with shows, with other shows. But sure. through the lens of 1995, this was not, I wouldn't call this groundbreaking, but it was far less common to have an episode do this, especially in a syndicated show where formula is the key. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I really appreciated that. The final fight itself, the closest thing you could come to for that is the confrontation with them in the back alley. Right. Between uh, between Kieran and Duncan, and it's all done through words, and it's really effective. Mm-hmm. Because it's the emotional crux of the episode. It's when we find out that Cage did go back to kill Duncan in Cambodia. Right. And he broke down, and it's Duncan mm-hmm. realizing that he's sincere. And, and all of when that he's standing there like fine do whatever you have to i know what i've done and i know who i am now yep yeah, <laughs> duncan's like he's going for the swing he's like i see it now yeah he, he's he take the head yeah it's it's really really well done it's well it's well acted mm-hmm. it's which it's, makes me love when he shows up in duncan's loft with matthew there Mm-hmm. Like Matthew's there, Duncan being Duncan, just you know he's not afraid of 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 Matthew at all because who he is, he's immortal. He knows yeah. Matthew doesn't know what's going on. And then when Kieran shows up, and he's like, "Oh, I gotta find Matthew," and Duncan's like, "He's here." That one little spot where they're talking to each other as equals, and just it's one of those things where. This is what the show is about, is mm-hmm. about these people who have been around for way too long and how they treat each other and the world around them. And this is where Duncan has an equal, and he's like, we've got to solve this problem together. Mm-hmm. There's the problem. I'm with you, whatever we need to do. Absolutely. You're you're 100% right. Ace said it earlier in the chat. This episode is more of what the show needed. Mm-hmm. And I'm 100% behind that. The character study... That moment right there that you're talking about, the moment in the alley when you kind of can read, you can read Duncan's body language enough to see the realization that he's having. And Mm -hmm. then, and I also, again, we get to see cocky Duncan and I love when he does that, when he's sitting there with his drink and he's like, so are you here to tell me to stop doing something or are you just going to shoot? Like, (laughs) what are we doing here? Um, Uh That's always great. And then. Then he feels Kieran coming. He's like, oh, he's here. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's that, that moment is so good with them where he's like, no, Matthew's already here. Let's, let's handle this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I, I, small, I really did. It speaks volumes of how well both of them acted in that, that particular mm-hmm. uh, part of the episode. And then when Duncan's trying to talk Matthew down, you know, just beside the back door. Yeah. It's just like. Duncan is doing everything he can, saying everything he can to keep Matthew from escalating, to keep him from blowing off. And we even get a shot of Matthew taking a couple shots, not at Duncan, but just to shoot because he's just, you know, he's got that rage just pin up and he's got to let it out somehow. Yep. And he's just like, I killed somebody just now. I'm not going back to prison. Right. He never really says that, but we get that attitude from him. And again, it's one we've seen a lot before, but it's very interesting to see it here where he's talking to Duncan. Duncan's like, we can help you. You yeah. need help. We can help you. And Matthews just doesn't want the help. No, he's too far gone at that point. He, mm-hmm. that's the, that is where the, the title blind faith really comes in. He is, mm-hmm. he was such blind. He, he had such a blind faith for Kieran and now, mm-hmm. and now that has been taken away from him and he can't come back. He's been, he's been gone before he came back from the edge. He's too far gone now. And mm-hmm. it's it's a sad ending for that character because he needed help and the help right. wasn't there. And that's where that, that little denouement with Duncan and Kieran as he's leaving town, 
Kieran having that realization. He's been he's been trying mm-hmm. for since Cambodia to make amends for the things that he's done. Mm-hmm. And then he has that one line where he's like, my need for redemption caused two people to die. And he right. realizes he's not there yet. Mm-hmm. Because you just said the help wasn't there for him. I agree and disagree. The help was there for him, but Kieran didn't know how to help him mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Well, because like Kieran he, was... He, Kieran, he was trying the super light-handed, soft touch. So just, he'll be okay. We'll treat him right. Mm-hmm. It'll be fine. And that's not what Matthew needed. It's not. And, and that's... That, that's the thing. Like Kieran's hubris was in his his thinking that his redemption was the most important thing and that everyone else would fall into place around that. Yeah. And it wasn't. It wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So you're right. He was capable of helping Matthew, but he, he couldn't see how to do it beyond because right. he couldn't see beyond his own face. Mm-hmm. He was so focused on his own redemption. Mm-hmm. And again, I think that's something that would be treated a lot differently now. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. If not, not specifically that he would be different, but that I feel like Duncan or another character would be somebody to tell him, you're not handling him right. Like, you've got to take a different approach because what you're doing now is not helping. You're only encouraging him to continue to be this way. Yes. And again, I think if you take this and you stretch this out a little bit, you you make this story and this redemption arc for Kieran play out over a longer period of time on screen, you mm-hmm. can work in those elements and maybe you end it a little bit differently because sadly the way that the episode ends does feel a little cliched. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like your ending better. I like your, you know, sort of somebody's telling him, Hey, no, you're not doing this right. You're not helping him the way that he needs to be helped. And we can go right. in a little different direction. Um, yeah. but it needs more time to, to let that breathe. So, yeah. And it, I probably would have written this with Matthew not dying. I yeah, would have had him just same. being taken in somehow. This whole episode feels like something that's written extremely well, but was like a first or second draft and needed like one more mm-hmm. draft to get through and really nail it, like really nail it. But that said, this was a really good episode, the way they handled it with what they got. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, definitely. For the for the time it was made, for the amount of time they had to make it, for the budget that they're working with, right? It's probably about as good as you're going to get. And again, some of that mm-hmm. is because you've got um, your supporting actors, uh, Jim Burns, Stan Kirsch, um, uh, Lisa Howard are nailing their supporting roles, and your guest star with Richard Lynch is taking the material he's given and elevating it and making it better, right? And it makes for a super solid episode uh, that, you know, I almost would want to see like this, this episode itself as one of the ones I would remake in a newer version of Highlander. Mm-hmm. And Conrad Dunn too, is Matthew, like mm-hmm. he could have been a very cheesy um, off his rocker kind of guy. Oh, sure. They could have made him cartoonish but, with like, cause he had a little tick sure. that he was, uh-huh. that was slowly building. They could have really overplayed that. They didn't. Right. They did not. They wrote him very well. So, like, this whole episode really, really was a good, good episode. It was. About but not about immortals fighting each other and having a quickening at the end. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's it's something that they sh- that I want more of. I want more of that side of the, the life of immortals. Um, it's good, good stuff. Now, next week, we're starting off an actual stretched out story. Yeah. We are starting the Kalis cycle as it's known. Uh, it's a three episode arc and it starts with episode 14 song of the executioner. And Oh boy, this is going to be fun. We're, we're getting into some good stuff here now because I'm not going to give it away yet, but, uh, but we've got, we've got fun stuff coming in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're uh, familiar with the show, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not, you're, you're going to enjoy it. Um, because, well, I just don't want to give any more away. Um, right. and that starts next week with episode 14 song of the executioner. Mm-hmm. Um, now if you want to be like ACE or Daniora or Kurt, um, and hang out in our chat room while we're recording, you can do that. We record on Tuesday nights, 9 PM. 
at uh, twitch.tv slash Travis. We love having you in the chat. Uh, it's always great to see. Um, and you can kind of see how we talk things out in between segments before we record. Mm-hmm. So that's always great. The show goes up on Thursdays, anchor.fm slash Let's Watch Highlander, anywhere you get podcasts from there, whether it's Spotify, Google, Apple. Um, if you can leave ratings and reviews on the, the service that you get the show through, that makes it more discoverable to people um, who maybe you can't do a kind of a word of mouth or, or anything like that to. And that's super helpful. We appreciate that so much. If you want to see some fantastic episode art, you need to check out Audie's uh, either Twitter at oddly normal one with the one with the the one spelled out O N E, or yep. uh, you post those on Instagram too, right? I think when I remember to. <laughs> it's funny. I've gotten to the point where I will schedule the tweet like when I finish it, like the night before or something. Mm-hmm. But I can't do that with Instagram necessarily. Oh, okay. Easily, anyways. So it's when I remember the day of to slap that on Instagram. Fair enough. Uh, this week's was very good, by the way. So definitely mm-hmm. check that out. Uh, and if you just want to chat about Highlander with either of us, uh, again, oddly normal one or at TV's Travis, uh, we'll talk Highlander with anybody or, you know, anything. Uh, I just, I saw Dune over the weekend. I'll talk with people about Dune if they want to. Same. Um, so uh, lots of good stuff. But that's that's where you can find us online. Um, yep. And, uh, and next week is Song of the Executioner. Um, so, you know, pretty pretty good stuff. And so until next week with episode 14, Song of the Executioner, just remember that there can be only one redemption arc for this moment. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs)